0: My Christmas was great. <laughs> what do you think I said? I
1: had lasagna. Oh, I thought you were saying why do you think we need to we need to
0: hydrate something? Oh much? no no Because no. It's, it's dry. Well yeah. I I had one of those dry bloody boogers uh ah, before you came over here. Those crispy. are always fun. The old crispy nugget. Uh huh. Why well, I, I hate that. I hate it. I hate when that happens. I wish it didn't happen, but it's uh very cold and dry around here, so it's uh, gonna happen. That's life, mm. as Frank sinatra <laughs> once said "Do we want to quote anything from that man he is, was a is bully he, is he is he sexually assaulter oh i'm sure mm. i'm sure if you're a
1: crooner from that era you're a crooner you're sexually in.
0: what the hell does a cro? what the hell's a crooner
1: well think about how they sing okay frank sinatra dean martin mm. that those kind of people mm-hmm. it's very loungy very croony very, very laid back in the
0: cut you could be a crooner.
1: I think so. I, I think like to think in. I could be Frank Sinatra Jr. Jr.
0: <laughs> is he is Frank Sinatra Jr. still alive?
1: Uh, I don't know. All I remember him from really is The Sopranos.
0: Wait, what, what what season was he on in that? Uh,
1: he's at the card game. He's at Tony's card game. But so okay. it's season one or two where the sporting goods store owner Ralphie ends up going in deep with Tony to be in the card game because he's addicted to gambling. Mm. And then Tony's at his shop, like, selling off all his (laughs) shit. It's like, it's just business, baby.
0: Yeah, yeah, now I remember that. Uh, I remember him because he was on Family Guy a lot.
1: Oh, right. Mm. Him and Brian would do a little Mm. uh, sing song.
0: I think Seth MacFarlane is obsessed with musicals.
1: Well, yeah, he made that Christmas record where he tries to sound
0: like Frank Sinatra. So that kind of makes sense. Well, he did that. He's, I didn't know he did this.
1: Seth MacFarlane Christmas, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm.
0: Is that him singing oh, yeah, in he's the cr- show? He's, no, he's
1: singing all the uh, Christmas hits. He actually went into a studio and made a record.
0: Ooh. All right. Well, you know what? Sometimes, as a celebrity, you reach a peak where it's just like, you shouldn't try to go into that uh, sector. You know, Maybe that's not for you.
1: What about Jamie Foxx?
0: He had one song. What about
1: what about Jamie Kennedy?
0: Uh, well, he's multi-talented, and we're not going to knock him because he's an actor, a comedian, a game show host, if I remember right. Jamie Kennedy hosted a game show? Uh, I feel like he did, and he's a rapper as well. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's not. How do you feel about Little Dicky?
1: I don't feel any
0: particular way no. about Little Dicky. Okay. Okay. Okay, not you don't like him, you don't hate him.
1: I like the guy f- I like when he played the guy in Romeo and Juliet. That was pretty good. Little Dicky? The rapper? I don't know who Little Dicky is it
0: turns out. Okay, Little Dicky's like a Jewish rapper.
1: Yeah, I don't care one way or the other. <laughs> Hello everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? This week, three people. Ooh. First is Candice, who gave me the idea. Oh, yeah! Thank you, VW Chick eighty, I think. Thank you, Kelly Research, who's done the who's done the dirt for me once again. Dug deep. This is a not known about case that much. Oh, and I'm the other one that knows about it. <laughs> also sitting along with me is Cody. Hello.
0: Hello. Hey, buddy. Should we say Kelly's surgery was successful? Uh, unfortunately, she did not gain any superpowers from it, but, uh, I did yeah, not th- even one. No, I, like, no Cyclops no. beams, no Superman laser beams. I'll be honest with you, I feel kind of ripped off. <laughs> what do you think you, would happen if you go into a LASIK clinic or whatever, and you ask if you can, they can, make it so you can shoot laser beams. Like, hey, can I be Cy- <laughs> Can I be Cyclops from X-Men? I love that in a family guy- <laughs> That episode where they get superpowers, and then the mayor rolls around in nuclear waste, and then he just gets like stage four cancer.
1: (laughs) I don't remember that, but that's pretty good. When the mayor was Adam West, is yeah, that... he's
0: like, "I'm gonna get my own superpowers to stop him," and then he's like, "Sir, you just have mesothelioma." Oh well, that's
1: that's unfortunate.
0: <laughs> that's what would really happen. You start playing in uh, radiation.
1: Certainly, at least mm. Seth MacFarlane did that. At least he warned everybody mm-hmm. about. Uh...
0: Right, and fall, you know what? Fallout's out here. Telling people you can get turned into ghouls, yeah, super mutants. I don't think that's gonna happen.
1: Me neither. So we're gonna dive right in. Hell yeah! This man will continue my spate of, shall we say, those that target the under the ones nobody cares about. Mm. I this will be a serial killer that targets low class gay hustlers, low class black men, low class white men. People that society doesn't really give a shit about, right? Well, so- to
0: be fair, does has there ever been a serial killer who targets people that uh, any the the police like really want to catch them or yes, whatever? Yes,
1: almost everyone that targets white people, absolutely, uh, absolutely. The sex workers? Well, sex workers, no, those are low class people. Well, they can still be white people.
0: I said white low class. I said black <laughs> low class. I said them all. I said them all. I think Ted Bundy's probably the Closest one I can think of, 'cause he just killed whatever girl he could get his hands on. I guess
1: closest one to
0: what? Uh, girls, uh, like college girls that people would, uh, or the police would be looking for the person who killed them.
1: Kemper? Yeah, Kemper I killed suppose, college girls whose I people. Suppose, were, I suppose. I suppose. And like yes. everyone else too. But Brudos? did they?
0: Did, but at the time, did they like hippies? Ooh, that's a good Let's question. See, hippies. Gosh. You know, hippies, uh, I don't think they liked him too much, including George Faust, <laughs> for those who heard that.
1: <laughs> so this week, we'll be covering a real shit heel mm. who preyed on those he could easily get away with, gays, prostitutes. He would lure gay men to their deaths by offering money for sex, and he fatally struck straight men out by setting up fake drug deals. His name is Ronald Joseph Dominique, and he went on a 10-year murder spree in and around New Orleans.
0: New Orleans, New Orleans, NOLA. We're,
1: we're down in the bayou.
0: Okay, our most hated football club. Sean is... Payton, the coach. <laughs> I
1: fucking hate Maybe him.
0: Maybe it was actually Sean Payton who was killing all these people. I wouldn't be surprised. And they framed Mr. Dominique, who sounds like uh, the main character from Fast and Furious. Oh, <laughs> Dom. Yeah, Dom. Here we go.
1: On October 3rd, 1998, Ronald J. Dominique was sweating his way around the popular tourist section, the French Quarter. He was short and thick, about 5'5", 160 pounds, and not conventionally attractive. He had a scraggly, overlong black mustache and a runaway goatee. His cheeks were puffy along with his deep-set green eyes. Anyone that saw him wouldn't give him a second glance. He may as well have been any other 36 year old American strolling through the French Quarter. Mm,
0: Sounds like a guy you'd see at a Slayer concert.
1: Ooh, a long mustache, deep set eyes, Uh puffy
0: cheeks. Maybe if he didn't have such pretty eyes, maybe a Druid concert.
1: You really, (laughs) you do really need to see a picture of this fella. He is a disgusting. Looking, Looking man, yeah.
0: From the visual, I'm envisioning he kind of looks like Rockterio, but uh, but I, I don't know. No, 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 not <laughs> even
1: as cool as Rockterio
0: looked. <laughs> and that man is not cool at all.
1: <laughs> Dominique had an urge, and to try and calm it, he would walk the streets, soaking in the wonderful jazz music of the city, as well as the sights and scents. He soon came to realize that walking alone wasn't going to scratch his ever-increasing itch. He needed sex— but he knew that wasn't all he needed. There was something even more primal than sex he wanted, but at this time in his life, he didn't want to admit that he wanted to murder. He parked his car in a dark spot a few blocks away from the gay bar Rawhide and set the stage (laughs) for the play that was sure to go on.
0: Rawhide.
1: We will get to what the police call it later.
0: Uh, Okay.
1: Ronald knew he wasn't attractive, and this lack of self-confidence made finding friends impossible and finding a long-term relationship downright
0: unbelievably not gonna happen. Uh, so, he, so he's incelled a little bit. Very incell. Very insuly. Okay. Well, here's a philosophical question. Has there ever been an attractive person named Ronald?
1: Ronald McDonald?
0: Well, I mean he if you're looking for a particular fetish, maybe you get banged by a clown.
1: Ronald Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not <laughs>
0: the ugliest man on Harry Potter.
1: Ron Artest
0: I don't know who that is. Ron. Ron Howard? You're going to say he's hot, too? My God, you're right. <laughs> See, there is none. My God, you're Somebody right. Somebody out there is going to send us a hot Ronald somewhere. There's got
1: to be a hot Ronald. <laughs> this was not San Francisco. Louisiana was a lot less accepting of a possibly gay man trying to figure out his sexuality. Another thing to note about him, even though he may look dumpy, His upper body strength was unbelievable. Kind of like Jean Valjean, where he lifted that cart off that guy. (laughs) Dominique learned early on that lots of people buy sex in southern Louisiana. It had become as simple as buying a pack of gum. Oliver LeBanks also knew this secret, although he worked the other side of it. The incredibly attractive 27-year-old black pickpocket, drug dealer, and hustler was hanging out at the gay bar Rawhide. According to the book, Rawhide was the kind of gay bar other gay bars fantasize about being. It was the perfect place to hustle up sex because of its almost constant flow of tourists who are looking to expand their horizons. When LeBanks walked into the already overcrowded place, the atmosphere was at a ten. Most of the men milling about were shirtless, but more than a few of them were dressed in full leather, brandishing whips. One of the reasons Rawhide was so successful as a tourist destination was its reputation as a leather and Levi bar. The older men in leather would court the younger boys in Levi jeans, Stetson hats, and cowboy
0: boots. You know what? Um, I don't don't know much about the gay community, but they certainly like to uh, make an appearance for themselves that really stands out. I love it. I mean, absolutely. Like, you have bears and cubs. Obviously, they stick out in a crowd. Leather boys. I've never heard of Levi's boys. Like, the cowboy ones? Yeah, me mm-hmm. neither. I, was, I When I heard Rawhide, I figured, like, you'd have to pull your pants down, and then have to make sure your ass was raw before you came in there.
1: You know, that happens when <laughs> when you get too sweaty I, sometimes. This, this
0: butt is not raw enough. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Or they come dressed. In, who Who's in the movie Rawhide? Is it Clint Eastwood, or is it, I forget his name, John Wayne? Uh, it's got to be John Wayne, John right? John Wayne. Okay, I'm pretty sure one of them did a movie called Rawhide. A handy- classic. Yeah. I don't think there's any gay men in it, but it was <laughs> uh, cowboys. It was funny. I was literally watching the show. I'd highly recommend. It. It's called My Horror Story. Very good on Travel Channel. Uh, it was about My the- Horror Story. My Horror Story. Okay. If you like Paranormal Witness, it's kind of along those lines. Okay. Um, two gentlemen talk about their uh, alien abduction. It's just two bros out camping together. I, I in my head I was like, This feels like a broke back mountain situation going on here, but uh which is fine. Yeah, go for it. But just like let's just push that that's what you two were doing out there. Right. Don't act right. like you're just enjoying the stars. Right. Like, right. What do you do? If the aliens didn't come along what was going to be happening in that tent, man? Lots
1: of smooching. <laughs> I think there was going to be some smooching.
0: Cu- lots of cuddling. Lots of cuddling. Lots of Will and Grace. <laughs> lots of pulling off boots and stuff. <laughs> lots of rawhides. Lots of hide. LeBanks <laughs> hung
1: back near the blaring jukebox, sizing up the potential clientele, and he noticed a man sitting at the bar trying to blend in, but not quite making it. Ronald Dominique wasn't about to take his shapeless t-shirt off in public. With his low self-worth and self-image keeping him down, he knew he wasn't body-beautiful, and he'd get made fun of. He'd had enough of that, as his family wouldn't quit ridiculing him for being gay and and fat. At first, their taunts made him embarrassed, but then quickly it turned to anger. There was no reason to remove his shirt. When the time was right, the wad of bills in his pocket would do the talking, not his roly-poly body.
0: Well, okay, 55160, that's not... That big is it?
1: He's dumpy though. He's dumpy. Yeah. Okay. But he's got ridiculous upper body strength. I can't state that (laughs) enough. This man is strong in the upper body.
0: I wonder how we got so strong. (laughs) He's got silverback,
1: silverback strength. That's for sure.
0: So he, from the sounds of it, he's the type of guy who like goes in a public swimming pool and doesn't take his shirt off.
1: Right, swim shirt.
0: (laughs) Swim shirt. Okay. But
1: he can't afford a swim shirt, so it's just a regular T-shirt.
0: Wait, how does he? He can't afford one? Let me tell you. How does he have all this cash for getting the cash? Some is butt? a
1: decoy. The cash is a is a is a weapon. He gotcha. needs it. it's all part of his disgusting it's, it's little calm. spider play. Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I thought maybe he was uh, rolling. He actually, in it. had some money. Gotcha. He's okay. a
1: workaholic. We'll find out later. Okay. He's a all workaholic, right? and that man will go out and hustle up a buck.
0: But okay, all right.
1: The slim, beautiful, dark-skinned LeBanc sat down next to Dominique, ordered a beer, and got down to business. LeBanks always started with just the right amount of chit-chat, before asking, You like to have a good time?
0: I like to fool around.
1: This was going great. Mm -hmm. Now all the young hustler had to do was get a price out of him. This truly was just another business transaction, including the coded conversation that followed.
0: I ain't got no money for a motel or nothing. Me neither. Come on, we'll go to my car. It's parked close. Do you need any money? How much you got? About 20, 30.
1: This was the going rate for a blowjob, and LeBanks was fine with that. Hmm. This was a great start to a promising night for him. LeBanks gave him another ocular pat-down and discovered nothing out of the ordinary. Green eyes, soft face, dressed in jeans and a formless t-shirt, he looked just like any other fella that wanted to get his nut on a handsome young hustler like him.
0: So this is what this is what this guy does just I I okay this Point is uh this, this is his to... trade
1: this is what he does he he goes around the French Quarter in New Orleans to all the bars and honky-tonks mm. and trades <laughs> Honky tonks. trades money for sex
0: okay all right
1: he had a girlfriend too so he's not gay
0: well we know how Phoenix Sane is so that's socially <laughs> that's completely acceptable he's a gay porn star with a girlfriend so there's that
1: Dominique was able to lure LeBanks all the way out of the French Quarter to a Chevy Malibu with its roof rack, parked among eighteen-wheelers in an industrial zone.
0: I'm <laughs> surprised he even needed money after he saw that. <laughs> He's sitting that fucking Malibu.
1: They piled into the back seat and LeBanks wasted no time. This was only the first job of the night, after all. He started sucking Dominique's penis until he was suddenly twisted around to a sixty-nine position.
0: Dominique twisted him around.
1: Yeah, he wanted. To, he said, I want to give you a little something as well. Okay, all right. Mutual reciprocation. Right, all right.
0: Well, you don't want to do your thing.
1: Dominique then told the young man to lay on his stomach, which had not been negotiated. Fucking would be extra. Before LeBanks could protest, Dominique was inside of him. He said something really strange now.
0: I was hurt before. I was split. What he
1: meant was... He was raped and had no intention of letting that happen again, but LeBanks had absolutely no context for this whatsoever. Dominique was unstoppable. The smaller man tried wriggling free and begging for him to stop, but he kept pushing harder and harder until he finally ejaculated.
0: Now get on top of me and rub your thing on me.
1: LeBanks began rubbing his penis against the older man's flabby ass, but Dominique thought he felt some penetration, and he snapped.
0: You was just supposed to rub it.
1: He was fucking furious now, and he wouldn't stand for this insult. He had taken too much shit and shame from his family, and now that someone would try and violate him again, he was ready to finally do something about it. Dominique reached down and grabbed the tire iron he had placed on the floor just for this purpose and slammed it twice against Lebank's head. His eyes rolled back in his head, and he went limp and twitching until he finally stopped moving completely. Then Dominique got on top of the boy started choking him, which made the twitching start up again. LeBanks was already going to die from brain trauma, but Dominique wanted to hear the death rattle, I guess. He took off his belt and wrapped it so tightly around Mm. the young hustler's neck it broke the skin. Finally convinced LeBanks was dead, he hopped out of the backseat, into the driver's seat, and drove away. He had killed before and knew what he had to do next.
0: I was just going to say, was this his first kill? But clearly not. No, sir. So he basically got this guy, or he, I, I mean, he gaslit him, essentially, into pissing himself off to trigger himself to then murder him.
1: He set up the whole play, and he does it <sighs> over, over, and
0: over, and over and over. This is his thing. This is his thing.
1: But he had a bacterial infection in his asshole when he was working on an oil rig, probably due to lack of sanitation. Mm. He thought it was from eating too much black pepper. And the black pepper collected in his asshole and rotted it away. <laughs> so when he says he was split before, mm. it's from that and from his time in prison where he was raped. He was we'll raped get to that he... as okay. well. Okay, yeah.
0: all right. But why, why would you ever think black pepper would do that? It's
1: dude? insane. And the police, <laughs> like when <laughs> they, they, you'll douse see, you will pepper. see.
0: Have they douse his ass in black pepper? <laughs> you know, what? I can't cook anything. If I use pepper on anything, even a little bit, I'll like instantly start sneezing. Oh, yeah. I don't even get it on myself. I'll just instantly start sneezing. It's in the air.
1: You can feel it calling in Uh, the air tonight.
0: Oh Yeah, just like Phil Collins. Phil Collins can cover me in black pepper any day. Oh,
1: yeah. As long (laughs) as he saves me from drowning. Unlike the guy in that song. (laughs) This was all part of the experience for Dominique. He drove down dark streets in his Malibu, waiting until his instincts told him the perfect place to dump the body. He wanted the body to be found, but he didn't want to make it too easy. He took a left down airport road at the New Orleans International Airport, but his gut was yelling at him. Too much air traffic, too many cars, this wouldn't do at all. He continued down airport drive past the airport hotels, restaurants, strip malls that catered to the airline travelers here on business. It was lucky for Dominique that he compulsively followed the speed limit, he was able to cruise right past Louisiana State Trooper Cal Calhoun sitting at a speed trap
0: with a dead body in his car. That's right. I have a feeling that happens more than we probably think.
1: I bet a I bet a cop gets passed with a dead body yeah. every single day.
0: I mean if you just I mean really if they just start pulling literally everybody over for everything then you're then Basically you're breaching the out. Constitution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. So it's like, how are you supposed to know there's a dead body in there? But that's just so Do fucked up. Do your job, that- coppers. That's how. Do your well, fucking How are they job. supposed to know there's a dead body in there?
1: Your murder police. Figure it out. <laughs>
0: and They just smell in the air. But there's a dead body in a Malibu. I'm just <laughs> sensing it tonight. I mean, think of... How many times, di- it's crazy to think about either, let's say you just driving over here, there could be a dead body in one of those houses or in one, one of those cars. It's just crazy. Could know, be you, one in my car. There could be. I hope not, but there could be. Uh, it's just, it's a crazy to think about.
1: Especially now it's winter.
0: Yeah. Don't got to worry me- about decomp. Me- remember uh, Gangland? In Alaska, yeah. they said, we hold, we throw bodies in the snow, and then when the snow melts, all the dead bodies show up. Yeah. No evidence.
1: It's pretty nice. You get like (laughs) two, three months of uh, (laughs) worry-free.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Dominique chose a back access road to Zephyr Field, where the New Orleans AAA team played. At an overpass over train tracks, he parked his car and removed LeBanc's body from the back seat by the belt still wrapped tightly around his neck. He struggled to drag the body under the overpass, left it face down in the sand next to the train tracks, and made his way quickly back to the driver's door. Within moments, he was well away with no witnesses, and after getting on and off a few highways, he was back to his trailer park, pulling in the driveway. The next day, a passerby saw the body under the bridge and called it in. Jefferson Parish's lead sheriff's homicide investigator, Dennis Thornton, was summoned right off the bat. Thornton knew this killer was sloppy, as he knelt beside the fresh corpse of the partially clothed Oliver LeBanks. Now, murder was a much more common occurrence in Louisiana, specifically around New Orleans, mm. which had the highest per capita homicide rate in the country at the time.
0: In 98. That's correct. Right, okay. All right, yep. Okay. I mean, you hear stories I don't really know. I've never been to New Orleans, but it uh, sounds like you got to be careful where There's you are. There's a certain
1: bitch that shows up later in this story, too. Mm. A Ooh. certain nationally famous woman's name.
0: I can't were her name now, the Alaska governor. Katrina. Katrina, Hurricane. okay, Hurricane. I are you going to say... Sarah Palin. <laughs> yes, I was thinking of Sarah Paulson. I'm like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> Sarah Palin, does she come flying in? <laughs> warning about Russia invading her backyard there.
1: Sorting through the similarities to nitpick differences was a daunting task as an investigator, but you need to find linkage in serial killer cases in order to save lives. Thornton looked overhead and noticed the planes. I wonder if this guy lives near the airport, he thought. He did. In fact, he was closer than anyone could even guess, and this was not his first victim. David Mitchell was his first, a 19-year-old black man who was last seen on July 13, 1997 in neighboring St. Charles Parish. Mitchell's fully clothed body was found the day after he went missing in an industrial area of the parish. He had been anally raped before being drowned. Exactly five months later, on December 13th, he struck again, this time killing 20-year-old black man named Gary Pierre, official cause of death from the coroner, murdered by asphyxiation due to neck compression.
0: Neck compression? I've never heard that before. Yeah.
1: It's strangulation, basically.
0: <sighs> Sounds like something Tony Banks would do during a workout, and I don't uh. know. <laughs> you gotta get your <laughs> neck compressions in. I have him on my mind because that stupid fucking Geico commercial with him in it. I tell you what, he's not looking too fit anymore. Oh, no, yeah. No, he, he, he's looking a little old.
1: Gary Pierre had also been raped. This is one of those build-up-to-explode type serial killers who needed a cool-down period in between kills. He took a seven-month vacation until Larry Ranson stumbled across his path. Larry was a 38-year-old black man. Dominique, already switching up his victim's age range, making it that much harder to fit him to the pattern. Larry was found the day after he went missing on July 31st, once again in an industrial area of the parish. Later on, the ME would declare cause of death as asphyxiation due to neck compression. We're getting him again. So this that's so three got a victims pattern. already. we yep. got
0: a pattern. Raped and strangled, and they're all black men. All of them. Okay, is he... Is like that. His what he's sexually attracted to is black men. That's
1: what it seems like. Okay. That seems like it. I. C-
0: I mean, I. It's not that weird. I mean, <laughs> Dahmer was. I, I mean. know.
1: <laughs> it's just really. It's just really strange the way that he goes about it. I guess it's not. I mean, Juan Vallejo did it. Larry Eiler yeah. did it. Yeah. They all
0: did it. I. Have, but it seems like from what you've said already that he is openly gay. Not like gay, but trying to pretend like he's not
1: he's shamefully openly gay
0: but the other guys were shameful but they wouldn't admit they were yeah gay. they all had wives mm-hmm. and kids mm-hmm. yep this guy is like i'm he's open he's gay and his family knows he's gay yeah but it sounds like his family's a bunch of assholes yeah too. They're a
1: bunch of redneck assholes mm-hmm. that hate him <laughs> because mitchell's and ranson's bodies had been dumped so close together saint charles parish police suspected they were done by the same person but there was absolutely no evidence to back it up. No fiber, no prints, no DNA, and the bruising around the anus suggested the killer used a condom. Police in St. Charles dug through their list of likely suspects and known parolees, but came up with nothing. Back with LeBanc's body, Dennis Thornton was examining the bludgeoned skull. There was no murder weapon around. The boy's shirt was removed, and his pants and underwear were down around his ankles. Other detectives collected tire prints from the sand next to the railroad, and Thornton examined the boy's wrists where he found ligature marks. He was very interested to hear what the coroner would have to say about these. The next morning, Jefferson Parish coroner Dr. Harry Landers was ready to begin the autopsy of Dominique's third victim. Before he made the usual Y cut, Detective Thornton noticed there were Caucasian-looking hairs on Lebank's body, which were enveloped and bagged for evidence. Maintaining chain of custody is absolutely vital in these cases. Well, actually all cases. I don't know why I said in these cases. (laughs) (laughs) The autopsy took less than an hour, and Dr. Landers was able to produce some answers for Thornton. LeBanks had been bludgeoned twice in the head, either before or after his wrists were bound, raped with deep anal bruising and no semen, and then strangled to death. There was hemorrhaging at the key points where the killer had squeezed LeBanks' neck. Since he had a record of low-level offenses, LeBanks was ID'd easily by running his fingerprint. His girlfriend, Judy, and brother, Michael, were interviewed, and nothing out of the ordinary was reported about LeBanks within the last day or two.
0: So, I'm curious, what, I mean, this is kind of gross, but the condom used in a rape causes different types of bruising?
1: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Maybe the lubrication of it.
0: I'm just... And also
1: lack of ejaculate. Mm,
0: okay okay that makes sense but the
1: bruising pattern they said suggests a condom as well
0: it's just you know all these cases we've covered it just like blows me away they can you know see somebody who's been murdered and like they can literally tell everything that's been done to them without actually seeing it just because of like the collection of how people's bodies decompose and the damage that's done to them and everything it's just it's crazy
1: it's it's insane how much of a database you have to have, like, to, and that you can just look at it and mentally see what happened before.
0: Long history of humans being terrible to each other here. Yeah, we're gross little meat piles. <laughs> yeah, that's why the aliens aren't coming here. They know we're too gross. They don't need us in their federation. <laughs> no. Detective Thornton drove his unmarked
1: Chrysler into the French Quarter and parked on Burgundy Street. He was headed to the Raw Hole, as police had taken to calling it jocularly. Okay. Unfortunately, Thornton stands out as a good police only because he refrained from judging his victim based on race or sexual orientation. A lot of police and prosecutors alike love to demonize people because they engage in prostitution or
0: are gay. Mm, okay, and this guy is just like... he He's wants a victim. To, wait, he, I'm saying he wants to... he doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. He just wants to yep. solve it.
1: He says he's a he's a victim. Mm. The only thing that I care about in regards to his sexual orientation is if it helps me solve this murder. That's mm. it. That's what he said.
0: How many gallons of sweet tea does this man drink a week? Based on what Mandy just told us, at <laughs> least <lot>. 35 <laughs> gallons of sweet tea. I guarantee, based on what she told us as well, guaranteed he does not like British people. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they, they don't drink sweet tea. Mm-hmm. And their goddamn, Mm. goddamn emperors. They're no good.
1: (laughs) It was business as usual inside Rawhide, with the Leather Boys chasing the Levi Boys, and nobody recognized LeBanks from the mugshot. Trying again on the street outside, once again, nobody had seen him before. Thornton was starting to think the killer wanted the body found. Why on earth else would he have dumped the body off the overpass in a less traveled but still driven on road when he could have gone a few miles out into a bayou where the alligators would thank him for the opportunity to destroy his evidence.
0: That's a good point, actually. I didn't even think about that. The alligators would love that.
1: Oh, they'd chomp him right up. The only thing Thornton knew for certain was the killer acted alone, and this looked like just another business transaction. Sex for money, which likely meant the suspect was gay. Two weeks after Oliver LeBanks turned up dead... There was another, Joseph Brown, whose partially clothed body was discovered in St. Charles Parish. He was 16 years old and black. Method of death? Death by asphyxiation due to strangulation. Mm. No other clues or leads were discovered. One month later, Bruce Williams was found dumped, fully clothed, in an industrial area in Jefferson Parish. Thornton got the call on this one and the details were exactly the same as LeBanks' strangled and raped. Since male-on-male rape wasn't a crime police encountered often, it was easy for Thornton to link the two cases straight off the
0: bat. He remembered uh, investigating the LeBanks murder. I mean, as we know, cops and detectives don't like to use the SK word unless they're absolutely sure. You bet your tits. Yeah. Same thing in this case. Because I mean... It's kind of a catch-22, because you use that immediately, then you cause a mass panic, and then... But, but if you don't, then they keep <laughs> killing people. Yeah, so then like... you're withholding information oh, yeah. from
1: people you're supposed to be protecting.
0: <sighs> but I, I feel like jumping to serial killer, because it's so rare, uh, what is it, like Point oh oh five percent of murders are serial killers, so it's like... It's like struck by Lightning. Yeah, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a... But, this is a uh, man. This guy is like. Are they confirmed? Like they're finding the bodies literally the next day after he commits the crime. Or so far, it... yes, they're all okay. fresh kills. They're all twenty-four. So he's or... like rapid fire killing people now. Some
1: of them rigor mortis hasn't even set in.
0: It's Jesus. that's how fresh they are. So I think we've left off at like five or six right now. That's and right. And they had a five-month or five-month, seven-month, and then the next gap, and then it's been like two weeks a month, and then. Two weeks or something, right? That something is already. absolutely correct. Yeah, that's, serial killer, that's a lot.
1: Just like in the LeBanks case, Thornton backtraced the victim's movements and spoke with family and known associates. Williams, the 18-year-old black man, had been a hustler just like LeBanks and was last seen going into the French Quarter on the night of November 27th and then disappeared off the face of the earth. Johnson Parish made the decision to classify this a serial killer. As we know from all past gay men targeting serial killer and all other serial killer episodes, and as we just talked about, cops are very hesitant mm. to admit it. Mm-hmm. and Because uh, and, and, once you admit it, you get the FBI involved. The yeah. shit goes federal. Yeah,
0: and you can't, put that, you can't put that back in the hat if it's not...
1: <laughs> Immediately, the FBI profiler went to work and then wrote back, White, mid thirties,
0: high school dropout, poor social skills. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's pretty obvious if you have a serial killer. Maybe not the high school that's, dropout. It's part. so
1: cookie cutter, and <laughs> yeah. that's going to be that's. I mean, that is most it's, of the profiles. But guess what? It's fucking
0: correct. Well, this I this isn't John Douglas giving a profile right here. No, I this is think. not. No,
1: <laughs> the profiler also threw in that the killer definitely lived near the airport based on the dump sites. Even though the FBI's profile seemed cookie cutter, they nailed the motherfucker. It fit Ronald J. J. Dominique to a T. He lived in a trailer park in Butte, just 13 convenient miles from New Orleans International. Once again on the prowl in the French Quarter, Dominique set his eyes on 21-year-old Manuel Reed, a New Orleans native, who was black, slim, and muscular. This would be his seventh victim. And his body was found partially clothed in a business dumpster on May thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine. Like the other victims, he had been anally raped before being murdered, death by asphyxiation due to strangulation.
0: So the pattern I'm noticing is he kind of likes like slim black men,
1: slim, slim. Well, like but still muscular. Okay, slim but kind of twinky.
0: You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> twinky. Well, I mean he is a big boy from the sounds of it so this was six months after william okay Okay, all right dominique
1: is a lot more like the beast of bc than say larry eiler or john edward robinson as he didn't travel to kill he had his comfort zone and hunting grounds close to his home he liked being able to kill dump the body and sleep in his own bed at the end of the night but the next victim angel meha would
0: change the pattern entirely well, I mean, it seems like all these people are in, is it the same bar or is it just the same vicinity? Okay, so parishes are like counties. Yeah. That's how that works. I don't though. know. I've never understood why they call them that. Uh, me neither. Maybe it's from <laughs> French. Like it, maybe they, oh, maybe. I just always think of a church when I hear I know, that. for sure. I'll and compare. isn't that what
1: that is too? So maybe that's what that is. Because oh, I, 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 isn't a parish the neighborhood that goes to the same church, like could, all yeah, the people? Yeah, yeah, the goes, congregation. Oh, yeah. they're called congregation.
0: Yeah, but uh, the parish I remember from True Blood. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Whatever they keep calling their parish, there. Uh, uh Bon bonton No. <laughs> bonton was uh the town where they played football. That's where they went to high school and stuff, right? <laughs> I don't. I remember the town was kind of a big town that actually exists and then they had uh some parish No
1: Shreveport, that was Shreveport. the one that exists. Yeah.
0: And I don't remember it's not Allegheny no. No. Oh yeah.
1: man, that's gonna kill
0: Stackhouse me. That keeps saying Paris, parish yeah. parish parish. <laughs> I work for the parish. Uh huh. We'd be in uh what, Dakota Parish. Dakota right Parish. Now. That's right. <laughs>
1: Hal Mayha was a homeless, 20-year-old black man who worked the streets. He was last seen on the afternoon of June 30th, 1999, and was found in front of a dumpster in Johnson Parish, in an industrial area. As Thornton looked on the body, he just couldn't believe how sloppy this guy was. I mean, in front of the dumpster, Mayha was found partially clothed and raped, death by asphyxiation due to strangulation. Although he was sloppy... None of their tests came up with anything on the killer's prints, DNA, or even the car's tire prints. They had those Caucasian hairs, but that is it.
0: So he's like accidentally doing this right. Yes, from the sounds of
1: Yes, him. or maybe he's he's I, just really good at this specific thing.
0: I guess if there's no I mean if there was traces of semen that would really uh help them, but uh you you'd think uh I don't. Know. Would they? They guess they weren't. T- They're were testing DNA, but not Definitely. like exceedingly well, like they are now. Yeah, probably not in the late nineties. Mm. This is like right in OJ time, right? This
1: is nine years after OJ. Is
0: it nine years? I thought he was like ninety-four. Maybe, maybe he was. I don't know. But it, we know OJ is kind of the the cracking open of DNA and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's. Uh, It's very weird how these idiots end up getting away with it for so long, even though they're very clearly dumb.
1: They do the bare minimum to hide their tracks, and somehow that's enough to throw. That's Mm. the thing. Maybe if you do too much, that's the problem. You do too
0: much, you
1: get sloppy.
0: You think somebody would be around to see him throw a body next to a dumpster?
1: Apparently, his gut instinct is perfect mm. as far I'm, as finding I've, dumping drives. Every
0: time I've been anywhere, there's always somebody within like sight of you. I know. I'm scared to throw things here. in
1: businesses' dumpsters because <laughs> I don't want them to get mad at me.
0: <laughs> the one time we went out to Dinky Town, and we were walking back to the car, and there was a. Uh, Porta potty the construction workers were using so i just took a piss in there this lady like teleported from some other dimension to come yell at me saying i gotta we gotta clean that shit up in the morning oh my god i was god. like i just peed in a porta potty crazy yeah. lady it's not that big of a deal you knucklehead she lady was so pissed i don't even know where she came from wow it's like she was watching she's a human security camera for that porta potty. Maybe this you is made at, her like, night. Two
1: in the morning. Oh, you made her night then. She was so thrilled. <laughs> She'd been waiting out there all day. That she hit her quota and now she can go home.
0: Her little opera glasses just sitting there waiting for some goddamn kids <laughs> to come use the porta to come potty. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh oh, the biggest problem for investigators in a case like this: the media got
0: involved. shoeless body could be the work of
1: a serial killer. This going public is both responsible and irresponsible at the same time. It's an issue I personally struggle with. I believe the people have a right to be informed there is a vicious predator hunting them down. On the other hand, investigators really needed things under wraps,
0: or else the killer could completely cover his tracks and skip town. But, consider this, like we know them, they get their jollies off of being famous, so then they get sloppy and then they get caught.
1: And that's why he leaves mm. the bodies where the, where he does. Close, but not too close. Mm. So that way they they can be found and he you can know, hear about
0: it. You know his ass is sitting in his trailer jerking off
1: oh, oh.
0: thinking about this, watching whatever Dawson's Creek or whatever he's watching in there. Well,
1: since the article went into detail about how three bodies had been found in close proximity to the airport and all of them had their shoes removed which uh, was not true, but the shoeless serial killer really has a nice ring to it. Mm. And th- there was one person whose shoes were off, but they were found nearby.
0: So, so there's one, one sh- technically shoeless body, and all of a sudden he's the shoeless serial killer. That's right. Okay. But right.
1: what these people actually had in common was they were all street people. They were gay, black, and or homeless transients. It was no great loss to society. It would not do as well in the papers as the shoeless serial killer. Right. Mitchell Johnson was the next victim. A 34-year-old, well-built black man, he was Dominique's perfect target. Johnson's body was found literally feet away from where LeBanks had been found. Detective Thornton was both intrigued and fucking furious. He assumed the killer was playing games at this point.
0: I mean... That's pretty bold of him to put it there.
1: The autopsy report came back exactly the same as the others, raped and strangled. But this time, there was a witness. The person who last saw Mitchell Johnson also noticed the stranger cruising around the neighborhood as well. Thornton was able to get a rough description of a white male, mid-30s, receding hairline and puffy cheeks. (laughs) With the new sketch in hand... And since the story was already leaked to the media, did Thornton they, gave it to both the gay and mainstream papers in New Orleans metro area.
0: Did they initially think it was Jason Alexander? <laughs> <laughs> like he, in like Seinfeld? He's yeah. the first person that came to my mind when you just said that description. <laughs> Puffy cheeks, close <laughs> I together mean, eyes, I mean, receding hairline. Judging by how crazy and how they treat him on this show, I'm surprised he didn't snap. No kidding. Him more Like he killed people and then Kramer like hid the bodies for him. I could see it. Good oh, spin on <laughs> Let's resurrect Seinfeld but make them serial killers. <laughs> That'd be great.
1: <laughs> Since every victim had been male and had been raped, the police thought the killer was targeting gays exclusively. There's no way to know for sure if the sketch being published caused Dominique to pack up his trailer, quit his job at the county, and move to Huma a town 58 miles southwest of New Orleans. Hmm,
0: I wonder how fun it is to live in Huma. (laughs)
1: Huma! Jesus. He pulled his truck and trailer onto his sister's property on Bayou Blue Road. Laney and her husband said, Hell yeah, hook your trailer up to the electricity and water on the property. So, people in this parish referred to themselves by the street they lived on, which is how Dominique became a Bayou Blue man.
0: Okay, Inter- I I guess Mississippi's uh, culturally quite a bit different than here. Nolans, <laughs> Louisiana, uh, the, Louisiana. Okay, well you can you could smash them both together. and It's the same damn thing. Yeah, you could make a case that they're not that different. <laughs> That's like to me, it's like comparing Georgia and Alabama. It's like we're splitting hairs here, or maybe it's Georgia and Florida.
1: Uh, it could uh, go either way. Georgia's yeah. better than both Florida and Alabama, though.
0: Like, Louisiana, Mississippi, all I think about is fucking mosquitoes.
1: Mosquitoes and crocodiles.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Alligators. And good uh, Cajun food. Mm. Mmm. I could go for some jambalaya. So, he literally just pulled his trailer into his sister, is that what he said?
1: Yeah, his sister's property on Bayou Blue (laughs) Road. And she said, heck yeah, hook yourself up to the water, hook okay. yourself up I, to
0: the electricity. I'm sorry, Adam, I love you, but I'm not, never letting you pull your trailer into my you property. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you can't be stealing my electricity.
1: <laughs> Dominique was raring to be seen as normal, especially since that police sketch had just been released wide. He didn't have to worry as much as he did, however. That sketch barely made it out of Johnson Parish. Police in Terrebonne Parish were never even sent the sketch. Unless he was really sloppy and got himself caught, he was home free, safe on Laney's property. With everything hooked up, snug as a bug, Dominique realized he was out of space and needed a second trailer, so he bought a smaller, beat-up one that he parked next to the bigger one. This would be his
0: murder trailer. Okay, Louisiana double-wide. Hey! Fuck yeah! Yeah! Yeah, he he's moving like if this was the game Life, he just got he just won the game with two house two trailers. <laughs> Louisiana Life. That is a game I wanna play.
1: Louisiana Life. You
0: it's like you have to start out with a minimum of four kids. Oh yeah.
1: And the alliteration is perfect. I mean. Yeah,
0: and it it's just like the cards are all just different trailers you can get. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, blending in as a normal human being, he went to work at the Cairo Produce Factory and kept his head down, answering every question with a yes sir, yes ma'am. People paid no mind to the little ugly man and seemed to look right through him. Terrebonne Parish has a high illiteracy rate, and many residents didn't watch TV or read the paper. It was poverty-stricken to the extreme. A lot of residents lived in shacks with no money for a car, let alone car insurance. The town of Huma had two gay bars and a handful of straight bars peppered on the main drag. Wow. Michael Rydell Vincent was a young black man who lived in a rundown apartment near the main street. He was well known to parish police, enough so that he had a known alias, Chris Vincent. So he di- he didn't change his name too much, just Michael Vincent, Chris Vincent. Not not exactly okay. a criminal master. Right.
0: I mean, technically, that's not that far off from most WWE superstars changing True. their names. True. True. So. <laughs> Did he do pro wrestling on the side? here? <laughs> Wait, is Hula or whatever? Who I said Hula? That's what my mom calls Hula. Hulu. Um, <laughs> is, uh, so is it like a modern? Is it like a suburb of New Orleans? Sort of. It's okay. about 50 miles away. It's like a second or
1: third ring suburb, I guess. Okay. But it's down the bayou, all right? And, and and those communities aren't really thought of as much. The bayou communities, they're thought of as impoverished, not really worth public services, that kind of stuff.
0: Well, what I think's interesting about this is, okay, you take Minneapolis-St. Paul, right? right. We're, I would say this is a pretty progressive area. There's, uh, you know... Openly gay stuff everywhere, whatever. But you will not find, as far as I know, gay bars outside of Saint Paul, Minneapolis themselves.
1: Oh, you just gotta know where to look.
0: Okay, so yeah. you can
1: find them in like the suburbs. Oh
0: yeah, there's community. There's okay. They they, they they they. You just don't need to know. That's why <laughs> you don't need to know. Well, I'm gonna say he like the West Saint Paul where I live. There's barely even bars in I general know, here, so it's like. I mean, okay, you got Celts. Could that be both if they wanted, or is that strictly straight bar? It could be. It is, could be. Yeah, I don't I, see
1: why it couldn't be the rainbow Irish or something I, like
0: that. Uh, hopefully the Irish Catholic, then they might have a problem with that. Uh, well,
1: that's how
0: all their sexualities get, <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just very weird. I, I guess I haven't paid much attention, but you know, obviously I know where they are downtown. Yeah. They're very popular oh, places, yeah. uh, but you don't see them in the suburbs too often. Probably because it's boring there. Like, people in the suburbs don't really, like, go to the party. They go into the city. They go into the city if
1: they want to party.
0: You want to get wild to go in the city.
1: Mark Vincent was a small fellow, about 5'7", 120 pounds. Despite this lack of size, he'd been arrested for aggravated battery. He vanished on New Year's Eve 1999. The next day, a motorist in nearby Lafourche Parish saw a body that had been dumped on a barbed wire fence immediately off the road. Police were called to the scene and detectives processed it properly, but the autopsy would have to wait three days until everyone was back from the big holiday weekend. The one we just went through, actually. Christmas
0: and New Year's. The New Year's weekend, yep. Gotcha.
1: January 3rd, 2000, which will be the day this comes out, but in the year 2000.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, Y2K holiday.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. 8.20 a.m. The autopsy began in Jefferson Parish. Dr. Susan Garcia was the pathologist in charge. During the external examination, Dr. Garcia noted Michael Vincent was wearing jeans, blue boxers, white socks, white t-shirt, and a flannel shirt, which had keys in the right breast pocket and four crack rocks in the left breast pocket. The drugs and keys were bagged for evidence, and then Garcia gets to the internal examination. Ligature marks on the wrists, just like the others, and there were no signs of brain hemorrhage or internal bleeding at all. The cause of death here was circumstances surrounding death are unclear, but subtle findings at autopsy suggest homicidal asphyxia as the cause of death, manner of death, homicide. So basically, strangulation by mm. asphyxiate.
0: Same thing he's done to every other victim he, he's uh, had here. And that was number 10. Michael I was Vincent. number 10. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. And this is within
1: two years, right? Ninety-seven, July yeah, 97 three. to January 2000. So
0: two and a half. Two and a half half-ish. years. Yep.
1: That's, a, that's a lot for a serial killer. He's busy. Mm-hmm. Not noted in the autopsy was whether or not Vincent was raped, but once again, Dominique left behind no prints, no fibers, and no DNA of any kind. He may have been sloppy in the dumping of his victims, whether on purpose or not, but he was a Gil Grissom when it came to not leaving forensic
0: evidence behind. Who the fuck's Gil Grissom? You've never seen CSI? Ah, uh, I see the main guy. Yeah, he's the gray-haired okay. guy. He's the most attractive CSI guy that's ever been on the show. He in a movie, <laughs> he uh, got
1: Marky Mark to beat him up.
0: Hell yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, Okay. For Thornton, this change of leaving the body in the wide open was a terrible omen of chaos to come. But then the killing stopped for two whole years, throwing Thornton and the rest of the team headfirst into a dead end.
0: I wonder why. Like, why two years? It's crazy.
1: Well, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, all right. Thornton give didn't give up as time passed. He was obviously assigned to other cases, but would work hundreds of hours unpaid overtime, tracking down leads. But once again, Ronald J. Dominique hid in plain sight. Ronald was born in Thibodeau, the county seat of Lafourche Parish, which was the halfway point between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. He went to Thibodeau High, where he lettered in Glee Club. Although Ronald was in the closet during his school years, it didn't stop his peers and even some teachers from making fun of him for being gay. He came from a family of six children and claimed to have been raped by a priest as a child, but his parents didn't believe him. As a young adult, he had a few run-ins with the law. One of them was when he got caught making dirty phone calls to other residents of the parish. (laughs) Nine years later, he was arrested and charged with a DUI. Not at all uncommon. Mm. Then, two years later, Dominique's actions turned murderous. A young naked man burst from the window of his trailer screaming... He's gonna kill me! Neighbors heard the cry and immediately called the parish police, who arrested Dominique and charged him with forcibly raping the young man and held him on a $100,000 bond. Dominique couldn't come up with the 10000 so he spent the th- next three months in jail awaiting trial. This was a very formative time for Ronald and ruined his little brittle mind so much. This is where he was raped and tortured in jail, and this is where... This is where he claims to have gotten the inspiration to start killing people.
0: I mean, from what you said, it kind of sounds like he was starting it from the whole reason (sighs) he's in jail right now, right?
1: Yes, and he's such a complainer, little whiny weasel rat. Mm. (sighs) While he was in custody, prisoners raped him so hard and frequently it made his anus prone to splitting during sex. He vowed he would never return to jail, and anyone that even mentioned calling the police on him would end up dead. After three months in lockup, at the start of the trial, Dominique caught a break. His accuser never showed up to court, and nobody really knew where or even who he was. Dominique filed a writ of habeas corpus, and in November 1996, Ronald was set free. But his jail time molded the rest of his life, and the lives of many, many innocent men to come.
0: Do you think that really happened to him in
1: prison? I'm sure he was right. Mm. Uh, As to that being the motivation
0: for him going on his. for him starting to be a little serial killer, I'm not sure. I I don't know. It it sounds like he probably had tendencies beforehand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that was the little linchpin holding him. uh, That was his little grenade pin? Yeah. Yeah, There's always like a weird event in all these serial killers' lives where just like they flip all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. maybe it was. I don't know. I think. It sounds like he probably would have killed the guy that got him in jail if he didn't apparently turn into Kool-Aid Man and burst out (laughs) his window. Oh, no. (laughs) That's all I can think about. I don't know. He's just like his body shape just sits on like the side of the trailers he's running on.
1: So we'll flash back forward to the present. From 1997 through New Year's Day 2000, that was the first leg of his killings. He killed and raped 10 men. After that, he wouldn't kill again for two years. He popped back up on the radar on February 10th, 2002, when he was arrested in Huma for slapping a woman during a Mardi Gras parade. He had witnessed her hitting a baby stroller with her car, and although she apologized profusely and no one was hurt, Dominique just couldn't let it go and he backhanded her. Wow, okay. He made a deal with police for alternative sentencing, Instead of going before a judge, Dominique would enter the parish offenders program. Ronald made the most of this opportunity and was a model offender and citizen. He met all the requirements to be graduated from the program and even was the top delivery driver at the Huma Domino's (laughs) night shift as well as shift lead at the Caro Produce Factory during the days.
0: What, What the hell kind of offenders list is he on? Just an offenders list? Oh no! This is a parish offenders program,
1: okay. so it's uh, alternative sentencing. Instead of going to jail or whatever, he can work off his his so, crimes to the parish.
0: Gotcha. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm assuming there's a lot of Jesus involved.
1: I'm sure it's <laughs> it's a way to turn your life around. It's you know they're trying to say
0: rehabilitation Rehab versus instead punishment. of punishment. Right. Okay. That it's good for that. Also, Dominique, the de- Domino's delivery driver. <sighs> Holy shit, that's a that's a mouthful. Old boy was raking it in too. I mean, look at Jay Fox. He almost retired. He's got a quarter million dollar 401k from Domino's. He's <laughs> killin- <laughs> that's why he left. He he got he became partners with Domino's. He got the hell out of here. Oh my god. <laughs> Dominique also tried to be
1: an engaged member of the community. The local Lions Club even accepted him on as a full member. Dominique's favorite activity was calling bingo at the senior center. After everything about Ronald's killing came to light, the Lions Club director remembers everyone that came in contact with Dominique loved him. Hmm. Delivering pizzas all over Huma, uh, afforded Ronald with the opportunity to drive around the city and scope out all the hot young black hustlers working the streets. He really wanted to get them into his car without a struggle, and for the most part, flashing a wad of cash in their face was certainly a way to do it. Like all serial killers, this one was a con man. Hmm. He forces his victims to believe it's a simple cash for sex transaction, all the while he's got something altogether different planned for him. Yeah,
0: yeah, th- it's, I mean, he's had a lot of practice doing this, his little, uh, whatever you call it, procedure or mm. whatever, how he, he gets him into his car, which is fucking brutal.
1: His little M.O.
0: Yeah, that's what I was saying. I couldn't think of that word. M.O. <laughs> Modus procedure, operandi. Yeah, I, I, procedures like something a dentist does, yeah. not a serial <laughs> <laughs> Even with the FBI's involvement,
1: this story did not make national news. The media just didn't care about the victims as they were black gay sex workers, and that doesn't sell papers. Not to mention, just a year previous, al-Qaeda had staged the largest attack on America in history. So the
0: population was a bit concerned with other things than serial killers. I yeah, I know, it's crazy. I haven't even, like, really heard of this, kind of heard about him, but not, not really. you think this would be uh, blowing up the news. Especially considering where he is on the, yeah.
1: on the kill chart. Right. But it was precisely at this time that Dominique was feeling his version of the Zapples. He was restless. He wanted blood. Kenneth Fitzgerald Randolph Jr. was a Bayou Blue man, just like Dominique, and he made for a convenient target. Randolph was about to turn 20, but would likely end up in prison before his birthday if he didn't stop being a rampant pedophile. At age 18, about two years earlier, Kenneth was charged with having consensual sex with a minor aged between 13 and 17 to hide the victim's identity. He was let off with a slap on the wrist Two months later, he was charged with felony criminal damage to property, which carries a sentence of up to 15 years, but he charmed his way out in a month or two. His third arrest was for raping a second child, slap on the wrist. But then he fucked a third child and was handed a felony sentence, but it was reduced to three years in prison, suspended sentence with 18 months supervised probation. That seems a little light for a pedophile. I'm just going to throw that out there. A three-time pedophile. Ugh. Back on the street, Kenneth Fitzgerald Randolph Jr., the pedo, was about to run into Dominique, the serial killer. Lying face down in a sugarcane field, Kenneth's naked body was found in Lafourche Parish wearing nothing but a pair of white crew socks. It didn't look as if the splayed body had been there long, but the incredible heat and humidity certainly helped to speed up the decomposition process. Yeah,
0: I I would imagine it would. The boy's
1: wrist showed ligature marks, as did his neck. He had been been bound and strangled. The body was also positioned so the butt stuck in the air. Photos were taken, prints were taken, and the body was bagged up to head to the Jefferson Parish coroner, the well-respected Dr. Truding. Originally tagged as a John Doe, by the time Kenneth's body hit Truding's table, the fingerprint results had come back and the toe tag was updated with the proper name. The forensic pathologist collected hair samples, oral and anal swabs and smears, fingernail scrapings, and blood. Based on the body being only in the middle stages of rigor mortis, it was determined Kenneth Randolph had only been dead four to five hours before he was found.
0: Holy shit, so th- Jesus.
1: Forensic pathologist Brittany Summers checked the head for contusions or lacerations or other signs of bludgeoning, but found nothing that suggested that. But he did have a large abrasion from his forehead down to down to his neck and chest.
0: What is uh when you say abrasion, like a like, slash mark? like a rash. Like okay. road rash. Like uh Like he was dragged maybe? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. Okay. His wrists and neck bore similar abrasions, leading the coroner to believe the killer forced Randolph down onto his chest and up on his knees before hog tying him for easy access to his anus. Summers then cut into the soft tissue of the neck to confirm the cause of death as strangulation. Everything else was normal, nothing in the body cavities or the organs. Brittany Summers wrote in her summary, It is my opinion that Kenneth Randolph Jr. died as a result of strangulation, well, ligature mark is obvious. Manual strangulation can't be excluded. The manner of the death is homicide. So what she's saying is, there's a good chance that he used a ligature to kill this man and then finish him off with his bare hands. So okay. he, he loves
0: it. Yeah, I mean, he very clearly loves strangling people. Uh, it's weird they wouldn't be able to tell, because I thought when you strangle someone, that bone always breaks.
1: Yeah, well, the... um. What they're looking for is jelly-like blood clots where mm. the hand was. That's how you mm. can really tell it's like fucked up uh, uh, skin uh, below the skin bleeding. Interesting. It all clots okay. Up.
0: All right. Interesting. I was gonna say it seems like they're really confused if it's or like they can't officially claim a strangula- strangulation, but I figured that would be obvious to them, but maybe not. Yeah. You uh, Yes. I'm, it's so. I really. <laughs> Apparently, since this guy's, like, really bulked up up top and, like, skinny leg bottoms... Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's he's tip-drilling all (laughs) over the place. (laughs) He doesn't like leg day. Uh, I I figured, you know, he'd have a lot of strength to kill these people, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, for lack of better words there. This made 11 victims in total, and Dominique was presently rolling
1: in Domino's tips as detectives and pathologists cut into his latest victim. By October 12, 2002... Dominique had been living in his sister and brother-in-law's yard in Terrebonne Parish for a little over three years, and was hunting his next victim right from town. Small and muscular at five 5'7", 137 pounds, Anoka T. Jones was an affectionate man. When his girlfriend Shelley Watson got off work, she went to the grocery store, and at 7 to 7.30 when she returned home, Anoka helped her put up the groceries before hopping on his bike to go get a pack of smokes. A black pickup truck driven by Dominique matched speed with Anoka as he was pedaling and rolled down the passenger window, asking in a smooth voice, Hey, can we talk? And that's where we'll pick it up next week for the stunning conclusion of Ronald J
0: dominique the bayou strangler (sighs) well he is a real fucking asshole and i know that's an understatement um i'm gonna be curious because that the last guy you talked about doesn't seem like he is a sex worker but maybe he is i I don't know should we should i run down
1: should i run down the the names of the victims we have so far sure number one david mitchell number two, Gary Pierre, number three, Larry Ranson, number four, Oliver LeBanks, number five, Joseph Brown, number six, Bruce Williams, number seven, Manuel Reed, number eight, Anhel Meja, number nine, Mitchell Johnson, number 10, Michael Vincent, and number 11, Kenneth Randolph.
0: That is, uh, that's a lot of people. That's, uh, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, but uh, like you said, they are under the assumption this is a serial killer yep. right now, right? So the FBI has been notified. But the like, uh, as far as I know, the FBI will give them a profile, but they won't help them investigate it, right? No resources unless mm. there, unless there's a, like a task force. I was gonna say, especially around this time, unless they said they were a terrorist, I don't think they're gonna help them very much. No, no, like, uh, uh, unless somebody's name was Ahmed. <laughs> you're, honestly, unless know I know Ahmed, you're not. It, it sounds fucked up, but it, it's kind of true. What was the show where uh, they wanted the FBI's help, but they had to like, they would only help them if there was terrorism? The or Wire. Was it The Wire yeah. or corruption involved? Where, where they were like, you're- I think that's exactly what he said, yeah. and that's
1: what I was thinking of was, uh, in order to get surveillance up on this thing, we had to change Stringer Bell's first name to Achmed. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like 50
0: FBI agents working it. Uh, that was the sad truth of that time period. No shit. <laughs> I know. No shit. Just, I, I, it seems like it's not necessarily like that right now, right. but, uh, but I, I don't know. Although the guy who uh, just blew himself up uh, they're at not, the AT and T. Yeah, they're not. They won't officially call him a suicide bomber, even uh, though that's very clearly what he is. <laughs> is not that exactly what he yeah, is? Yeah, some dumb shit. Oh it was God. funny because, like, the second it happened, now all of a sudden there's just like ten conspiracies coming off of that. Well, the thing is, it fucking looks like Mister Robot. What do you mean, Mister Robot? Like the show Mister Robot? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like they planted a bomb at a telecom company and then a few days later there was a giant data breach i don't know if you got caught up with any of that but Mm. people were having to change their passwords all over the place because oh from that guy i'm not even sure i'm not even sure but that's what mr robot would be about connecting Mm. those two events to see if they were
0: linked up by well as far as i know he was doing it because he thought 5g was evil but people, uh, it just so happened those fucking voting machines were in there. Oh. So then, you know, that clan of people got to wrap that up in it. and That's say, where they were being stored is uh, like right there. Like, well, oof. AT&T like runs some of the Dominion machines or something. Terrible. So it's like this dumb shit just so happened to attack a building where those were, where there's a large election rigging conspiracy going on. So it's just like an accidental... Sh- hodgepod shit show that this man just stirred up tripped and fell into <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: he tripped and fell over his own penis and just, and landed on voting machines
0: he wanted to do 5G but if 5G's like that's old <sighs> conspiracy that was like three months ago now we're moving into new conspiracies good for him Good yeah. for him. Good job. Good job. I've... I mean, I guess we could say at least he warned everybody to get away from him, I guess. Was there any
1: deaths besides no, him?
0: just him. Okay. Just him. So Property
1: damage in him.
0: Yeah, basically. No great loss, right? No. <laughs> I, apparently not. Apparently he was a uh, very disturbed man. Fuck him. Mm. What an asshole. Mm-hmm. What an asshole. Anybody
1: that sets off a bomb in a populated fucking area, go fuck yourself. He's an asshole.
0: Dominique's an asshole. Dominique's here, so. an asshole. Old and ben
1: Ronald. Sar- Sarnayev.
0: what was the Boston Bomber's name? I don't know. I Me mean, neither. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. All I right. just know don't ever watch that Mark Wahlberg movie with him in Patriot. It. <laughs> Not doing it. Never doing it.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen. That will conclude part one. We will just pick this son of a bitch up in the finale and we'll conclude the motherfucker out of it.
0: I have a feeling it's going to be just as bad. Yeah. I mean, there's, tw- <laughs> there's t- t- t-
1: 11 more victims yeah. to go.
0: Yeah, I, I figured this guy wasn't going to be stopped anytime soon. <sighs>
1: Before
0: I ask for the email and all that mm. stuff, I want
1: to say a very heartfelt thank you to the Patreons who have been with us over the year and the year previous.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's thank them all now. We do have a hearty surprise coming for everybody this week as well. We're finally going to be getting down to the highly requested kissing the coronavirus. Wonderful. Mm, it's very hot. I've read like Wonderful. two paragraphs and was laughing already. So. And that's what we're going to give them this week? Hell yeah. Oh, that's so weird. All right. Let's thank all of them here. We got to thank Mandy, Mandy, who is going to be on our Wednesday Patreon episode. Beep, thank you, beep, man. Beep. Uh, thank you, Kelsey, Kelsey. Thank you, Taylor. Taylor. Thank you, Joe. Joe. <primera> thank you, Tiffany. Tiff. Thank you, Elizabeth. Lit. Thank you, Nikala. Thank you, Julie. Julie. Thank you, Lunchbox. Lunchbox. I don't know if we roaming. want to say Isra are Ravi. There we go. Thank you, Phil. Bill. Thank you, Courtney, Courtney. Thank you, Kelly. Kelly. Thank you, Chrissy. Chrissy. Thank you, Bianca. Banco. Thank you, Amy. Amy. Thank you, Margaret. Mago. Thank you, Tiffany. Tifo. Thank you, Jennifer. Jenny. Thank you, Saya. Thank you, Lexi. Thank you, Renee. Renee Thank you, Katie B. Thank you, Hybron. Thank you, Jessica. Jesse. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Gwen. By the way, thank you, Gwen. Gwendolyn,
1: thank you for the t shirt and the delicious, delicious fucking snacks. I will take a picture and put it on the Instagram of me in my wonderful t-shirt. And But the snacks are already in my poop.
0: And we need to thank Elizabeth as well for the delectable fruit basket. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I know you've got uh, some monster ass uh, uh, candy bars out of it. Definitely. I didn't want to give you the fruit because I didn't know if it was going to perish by the time you got it. But sure. you did get half of the candy bars. It was absolutely delicious. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Good stuff. Uh, thank you, Vance. Thank you, Jade. Jade. Thank you, Julie. Julie. Thank you, Libby. Thank you, Terry. Terry. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Demetrius. Demetrius. And and thank you, RJ. RJ. There we go, Texas boy RJ. So thank you guys so much. Jesus, that was a a hell of a lot of people who like this show. You're not kidding. (laughs) <laughs> and they're uh, they're willing
1: to to throw down their
0: hard earned cash in order to uh, give it to us. I it's I, it's weird because over Christmas I felt like we haven't recorded at all, but it seems like Christmas and New Year's just has been like a blur, kind of a weird time vortex. Yeah, and now we're gonna we're gonna be back on schedule. It is currently July or <laughs> January second, <laughs> uh, and we're back to normal now. Yeah, we're back.
1: Mm. We're back, baby. And if you liked this episode, you can let us know by filling out a Forbes submission on our website, BumbleButtPodcast.com. While you're there, you can also buy the sickest merch money mm-hmm. uh, has to offer. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear what we're talking about, you go to Twitter at BumbleButtPod, Instagram at BumbleButtPodcast, my boy. Now, be a superstar and bop that follow button on Spotify if that's where you're listening to us. If you're on the Apple Purple Icon uh, podcast application, you can leave us a five-star review, and if you do, we'll read it on the show. And in fact, if you don't, you're kind of being an asshole. <laughs>
0: so if you're listening to this right
1: now, and you haven't left a five-star review, and you're listening on the Purple Apple Podcast, leave a five-star
0: and write a little something something for your boys. Mm-hmm. We don't have any this weekend. I didn't think we did, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, holiday season, I've noticed, you know, uh, people don't get fuck around podcasts too much oh i didn't know download numbers could go
1: that low anymore mm-hmm. i thought we were well past that and then i opened up the app and went whoa
0: did we get hashtag I, me too i don't i i would hope not but uh uh yeah i, I think uh, when you're spending time with your family you don't want to listen to podcasts it's, it's normal it's what happens it's what happens i know you didn't When you're uh, role-playing Garfield over there. Adam says, (laughs) yeah, I was just eating lasagna and (laughs) talking about how much I hate Mondays. (laughs) You hate what, John? You hate John. Yeah, John R. Bunkle. He shipped your brother to another country. Have you ever
1: seen Garfield without Garfield? Look up the comic strip okay. called Garfield Without Garfield. It just makes John look like a lunatic.
0: <laughs> it's pretty great. I might great.
1: have to. It sounds funny. It's pretty great. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Candace. Thank you very much, Kelly. Thank you very much, Cody, for joining me. Thank and, you, And uh, why don't you join me next week where we finish? I think I will. Okay. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, as always, have a nice weekend unless it's Tuesday. Later.